0: Welcome to today's Community Cast. My name is Matt Morgan. I'm the pastor at Community Brookside, a new church plant in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We are so blessed by your presence, and we hope that today's content will bring you joy. We just learned last week that Abraham was the father of many nations, right? God called Abraham to be the father of many nations, and God said, I'm going to bless the entire world through you. And then later on, we see that this line from Abraham extends down from generation to generation. So Abraham had a son. His son's name was Isaac. Isaac had Jacob and Esau. We all, not all of us, but maybe most of us know the story about how Jacob and Esau turned out. And then Jacob got married multiple times and had 12 children. And of those 12, one was named Joseph. And today we're going to talk about the story of Joseph. We're going to begin this conversation and we're going to see how Joseph was faithful even when things looked really tough. There's a lot of scripture today, so I'm going to invite you to, to read along with me. And then I'm going to ask you some questions at the end. I want you guys to feel comfortable and feel free to have conversation. Like this is time for us to be in conversation with one another so as we're done I'm going to ask you some questions I want you guys to feel free to respond so this is coming from the book of Genesis chapter 37 and you can follow along on the screen here's what it says in verses 1 through 36 it says Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed the land of Canaan this is the account of Jacob's family line Joseph a young man of 17 was tending the flocks with his brothers the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah his father's wives and he brought their father a bad report about them Now Israel, who was also Jacob, Jacob wrestled with an angel, and the angel changed his name to Israel. So Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a single kind word of him. Joseph had a dream. Then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I I had another dream. And this time the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him. But his father kept the matter in mind. Now, his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, As you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I am going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. So he said to him, Go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks and and bring word back to me. Then he sent him off from the valley of Hebron. When Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him wandering around in the fields and asked him, What are you looking for? He replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are grazing their flocks? They have moved on from here. The man answered, I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they saw him in the distance. And before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. And I'm sure there was a mwahahahaha. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from the hands of his brothers. Let's not take his life. He said, don't shed any blood. Throw him into this cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe that he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. As they sat down to eat their meal, because one does that after an attempted murder, They looked up and they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, What will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. When Reuben returned to the cistern and saw that Joseph was not there, he tore his clothes. He went back to his brothers and said, the boy isn't there. Where can I now turn? Then they got Joseph's robe, slaughtered a goat, and dipped the robe in the blood. They took the ornate robe back to their father and said, we found this. Examine it to see whether it is your son's robe. He recognized it and said, it is my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, I will continue to mourn until I join my son in the grave. So his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar one of the Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. Does this sound like a made-for-TV drama movie, right? Joseph the Dreamer, his brothers hated him because he was clearly the dad's favorite and they wanted to kill him. Come, let's kill him and pretend that he was devoured by ferocious animals. And then we have the older brother, Reuben, says, no, 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 let's not kill him. He's our own flesh and blood, by the way. Instead of killing him, let's just sell him off as a slave. Is that just as good? Uh, uh, let's at least make a profit, right, on getting rid of our brother. Let's get that dreamer out of here, but let's do it where we can make a profit. Meanwhile, in Reuben's mind, he's going to come back, and he's going to take Joseph out and bring him back to his dad. Guys, this is a strange story. Anybody of you guys have brothers that you wish you could do this to? Like, just, just me. Okay, all right. So tell me about the significance of the robe. What does this robe mean? We call this Joseph and the coat of many colors, right? So we can expect, uh, every time you see that coat, you expect it like striped rainbow colors, right? Like if you've ever seen it in a coloring book, that's the way it always looks. But I don't know that that necessarily means it's ornate. It could have had like lots of fringe, right? Like lots of fringe down below the arms of the robe. Maybe it had like a giant, you know, flaming skull on the back with an eagle. Guitar, right? No, I I don't know. It was just ornate. It doesn't tell us it was many colors. It just says it was super ornate. What did that robe mean for Joseph? He was the favorite. He was the favorite son. And so when he wore that robe, all of his brothers were like, oh my gosh, I hate that guy, right? How do you think that you would respond if you had a younger sibling like Joseph who was the favorite? And he got shown favoritism all the time. And he got this special robe. And then, to top it off, your brother was like, do what? Is that not the way it usually is? is? Um, Some families, yes, that is the way it usually is. But, like, if you've ever experienced that, like, your feelings of hurt and anger against your brothers, I'm sure, would be tremendous. I want to be dad's favorite. I want, to, I want to be special in dad's eyes. I want to, I want to have the, the robe, the coat of many colors, this ornate thing. I want that too. What is that when you want something that somebody else has? Jealousy. Jealousy. There's another word in scripture that means the same thing, sort of. Covet. That's one of the top 10. Thou shalt not covet. You shouldn't want what somebody else has. Have you ever been jealous of somebody? Like I think all of us can be like, "Yes, I Kim. No, she's the only one." <laughs> Have you ever hated anyone because of your jealousy of them? That's a strong word. His brothers, his own flesh and blood, hated him because how he was treated and how much he was loved. So let's reverse that. Have you ever made anyone jealous? Has anyone ever been jealous of you? Do you think you've ever been hated because of something that you have? I see some of you nodding. In this story story so far that we've seen, Joseph start out as the beloved son of his father. He was hated by his brothers and he was threatened with death and instead sold into slavery. None of this sounds like a good opening to a story that ends with happily ever after, right? If we put ourselves in Joseph's place, I think we'd all be pretty angry. I was just going out to do what dad asked me to do. They threw me in this pit and sold me as a slave, right? That would be a huge, let's just say disappointment in one's life, right? And then their brothers had to convince their father that Joseph was dead. And they did that by taking this ornate robe. And and let me just tell you, sometimes when we talk about the wages of sin being death, right? We've heard that phrase before. This is another perfect example of that. When the brothers of Joseph are sinful, a goat has to lose its life. And I know like in the big scheme of things, that seems weird and it's like not that important because they probably would like eat the goat later on, but... A goat had to die in order to cover up the sin that these brothers had committed. In this case, literally, the wages of their sin was death of something else. Sin causes harm. And so they cover up his death by slaughtering a goat, and they they drench his robe, his ornate robe, in the blood, and they bring it back to their dad. Dad, now listen, we happen to be walking on our way back, and we found this robe. We picked it up because we didn't know. Maybe it, can, can you verify, is this Joseph's robe? Happy Father's Day, by the way. Could you imagine what that would be like to find out if your son was murdered, or at least you thought he was murdered? Scripture says he tore his robes and that none of his daughters, none of his sons, nobody could comfort him. And he says, I'm going to grieve until the day that I meet with Joseph in death. I can't imagine losing any of my kids. The story goes on. So we can kind of catch up with, uh, with Joseph in Genesis chapter 39. We're going to read verses 1 through 23, but we're going to stop in the middle and, and have some conversation. And it says now in verse 1, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. And in the field, so Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. So, even in Joseph's situation, this terrible situation where he goes from beloved son to slave in a foreign land, his relationship with God doesn't change. Scripture tells us that God was with him even in this weird, terrible, low situation. And this story now is beginning to show us bits and pieces of a hopeful future where God never leaves us either. The same truths about the story of Joseph can be found in our own stories today if we're willing to look at those moments of hardship in our lives and recognize that God never leaves us, even in the struggles. So what was Potiphar's position? Where is he in relation to the the Pharaoh? Captain of the guard. He's in control of all the Egyptian fighting men, right? So what did God do through Joseph for Potiphar's house? Come on, guys. He prospered. All the, everything in Potiphar's household prospered. Anything that Joseph touched became blessed. Blessed. Because God is always with us, does that mean that we're always going to be prosperous? It doesn't. Guys, being human is hard. We do some pretty dumb things, right? We make some pretty bad decisions sometimes, and those decisions not only affect us, but sometimes they affect and impact other people. Bad things happen to good people because there really are no good people. And that's hard for us to say and hard for us to hear, but even Jesus says, why do you call me good? No one is good except for God. Listen, I I believe that there's good in every one of us. I believe that God created us in his image and so that all of us has a piece of that holy inside of us. But because we have free will, we use our decisions to do, like I said, pretty dumb things sometimes. Do you know somebody in, that you've met or somebody you knew from school or college or whatever? Do you know somebody in your life who's just like constantly successful at everything? You, some of you, like incredible salesmen, got a beautiful wife, got a wonderful home, got a good-looking husband. Like whoever these people are in our lives, they just seemed like they could just never fail. Are you jealous of them sometimes? We could probably all say, yeah. In this story, Potiphar doesn't worry about anything at all in his house because Joseph is taking care of it. Joseph is blessed by God and he recognizes that God is with him and everything that Joseph touches is prospering. A good theological understanding of God leads us to believe that Joseph's God-based decisions led to good results when Joseph based his decision-making on the will of God, when Joseph knows who God is, when Joseph lives in response to who God is, good things come. And again, I would say probably not always, but good things come. When we make decisions based on the God that we know, good things inevitably will happen. If we live our lives in response to the salvation that's offered through Jesus Christ, good things come. There will be moments of bad but good things come. Let's keep reading. Still in verse six, it says, now Joseph was well well built and handsome, much like me. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. But he refused. He says, with me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he is entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then can I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. One day he went into the house to attend his duties and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. Half-naked Joseph running out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and he ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him the story, that Hebrew slave you brought to us, or brought us, came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and he ran out of our house. When his master heard the story that his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me, he burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. This story is like a repeat of the Potiphar story, right? It's a beautiful, perfect parallel between bad things were meant to happen, but God turned those bad situations into something good. Same thing happens here. He was accused of attempted rape, gets thrown in prison, but God is taking a bad situation and turning it for the good. He's found favor now in the eyes of the jailer, and he's put in charge of every prisoner in the jail. Can you imagine having that kind of trust in prison? Like, hey, I'm going to go back here and I'm going to read a newspaper. Can you just make sure everything's good? Can you just take care of stuff for me? Thanks. I, I can't imagine that. But that's how good of a person Joseph was. That's how blessed by God he was. That was the recognition that other people saw that anything Joseph put his hand to turned out to be fantastic. Even though Joseph made the right decision, he still ended up suffering for it. I'm not going to sleep with you, but he was accused of doing it anyway. Is that fair? Is that fair when you get accused of something you didn't do? Is it fair when you get taken to prison even though you didn't do anything? Yeah, okay, thank you. One audible no. So do you ever think sometimes that what we consider suffering might end up being a part of God's bigger plan? It's hard to see it in the moment of suffering, right? It's hard to see it when your family's going through some terrible junk to see that God has something bigger in store. Sometimes short-term suffering leads to long-term benefits. In the story, Joseph literally says, I'm not going to sin against God by sleeping with you. He didn't want to sin against God or lose the trust that he had with Potiphar by sleeping with his wife. So he did the right thing and he, he left. He ran away. Potiphar's wife favored Joseph. And then when things didn't go exactly the way that she wanted, she got mad and turned on Joseph. I think every one of us have had experiences where we've tried to do the right thing and then something bad happens as a result, right? Right? One time I tried to go pick up this hitchhiker and then he held me at gunpoint and stole my car. That didn't happen. That's what I'm just saying. Like sometimes you try to do a good thing and bad things happen. Again, we read that the Lord was with Joseph and therefore even in prison. So now he's gone from being favored son, sold as a slave, now taken to prison in a foreign country. He's blessed because of his relationship with God. When things could be so much worse for Joseph, God is with him. And the warden in the prison also recognized that everything that Joseph touched was blessed. To continue on in the story, we're going to jump over to Genesis chapter 40. It says this, sometime later, so this is after Joseph had been in prison for a while and he'd been taking care of the prisoners, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and he put them into the custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph and he attended them after they had been in custody for some time each of the two men the cupbearer and the baker of the king of egypt were who were being held in prison had a dream on the same night and each dream had a meaning of its own when joseph came the next morning to them he saw that they were they were dejected so he asked pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house why do you look so sad today we both had dreams they answered but there is no one to interpret them then joseph said to them Do not interpretations belong to God. Tell me your dreams. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream. He said to him, in my dream, I saw a vine in front of me. And on the vine were three branches. As soon as it budded, it blossomed. And in its clusters, ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand. And I took the grapes, squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup and put the cup in his hand. This is what it means, Joseph said to him. The three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to to your position, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand, just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. The third day was Pharaoh's birthday and he gave a feast for all of his officials. He lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that he once again put the cup into Pharaoh's hand, but he impaled the chief baker just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot about him. Even in prison, Joseph never lost his faith Do you think that you would have the same kind of strong faith if you had been sold into slavery and then taken to prison? Do you think that your faith in God would look the same after you'd been put through trials and tribulations like that? That's pretty tough, right? But the story says that he's still obedient to God. He still talks about God. He still tells other people, like, God is the God of dream interpretation. Tell me what your dreams are. This is a very strange story, but it's one that we really have to look at to understand that sometimes bad things just happen, but on the other side of those bad things, there's always going to be something positive. And again, our human finite perspective is pretty limited, but when you look through eternity as God does, there's always going to be something bigger and brighter on the other side. So Today, we've read the first part of the story. We've seen that even though Joseph struggled a lot in his life, he never stops following God. He's obedient to everything that God asks him to do. He follows where he's led. He does what he's asked, and he represents God well. He continues to be faithful, even when his life becomes really, really hard. We can also see that God is with Joseph. Even though he doesn't understand or know what it is, Joseph knows that God has a plan for him. Joseph could have looked at his situations and become hopeless, but he doesn't. No matter what he faced, Joseph did his best in every situation and in every task he was asked to do. Joseph trusted in God that God would deliver him from these trials and tribulations in his life. And that relationship between Joseph and God is reflected in the way that Joseph handled his life. So my question to you guys today is, do you trust God? My hope is the answer is yes. My second question, my follow-up is, does your daily life reflect your trust in God? How about even when the situations look really bad? Does your life reflect the trust that you have in God in those moments? Do you turn to God in all situations? Or do you look at some things as hopeless or a waste of time when things don't go your way? Even just the beginning of the story reminds us that we no longer have to be slaves to fear. Because each of us was created a child of God. The story of Joseph is one that continues to show how God prepares us and equips us to fulfill the plan that he has for us. It's really easy to take any portion of your life and pull it completely out of the context of eternity and look at it and say, this is awful. This is terrible. I hate my life. But in the context of eternity, there's so much bigger to look forward to. It's easy for us to become hopeless. It's easy for us to give up. It's easy for us to to be people that don't look anything like the joy that we should reflect because of the hope that we have in Jesus. It's really easy for us to, to just moan and gripe and complain about all the bad things that happen. But all of us, all of us were given the image of God as a piece of who we are. The story of one, the story of Joseph is one that continues to show us how God prepares and equips us to fulfill a plan that maybe we don't even know yet. If we trust in God, we can be assured that his best is for us. He wants that for us. But we can only experience God's best when we live our lives as a response to God's love for us. So friends, this week and always, let us be willing to trust in God's word. Let us follow wherever God leads us. And let's live out our faith in God every single day. Because God's story for us is so much bigger than we even know. Next week we're going to continue we're going to pick up where we left off with Joseph today and we're going to see a little bit more about God's plan and how God is equipping and preparing Joseph to do incredible things even in the struggle. Which should bring hope to each of us that God in those moments of struggle for us is preparing and equipping us for something bigger than we even know. It's a great story. Let's pray. God, we are no longer slaves because we are children of God. We don't have to fear anything because we have a hope in you. God, help us to hear with new ears the story of Joseph. Help us to see his obedience to you. Help us to see his faithfulness to you. Help us to see where he followed you, even when it was hard and difficult. And how in those hard and difficult moments you equipped him to do your work in the world. God, I pray that you would continue to prepare and equip each of us to do that same good work. God, help us to see our neighbors in need. Help us to find moments where we can impact the world for good. Help us to seek out injustice so that we can bring righteousness into those circumstances. God, let us be people after your heart. Gracious Lord Jesus, be with us now, your people. As we sing praise to you, as we continue to go about our day, God, fill us with your Holy Spirit that we can take your Spirit with us out into the world and share with the world how good our God is. God, this is not a prosperity gospel. This is not about us gaining wealth or fame or riches. This is about a promise that you'll be with us even when life looks tough. So God, help us show the world that you are with each of us, even when life gets hard. Lord Jesus, we thank you for loving us, even when your life got hard to the point of death, that you did everything you possibly could to show us what love looked like, and then you gave your life away. Help us to be people that follow that example. Help us to love our neighbor as you have loved us and help us be willing to sacrifice for the kingdom of God. Lord Jesus, we love you. And this, this community, this church, this is for you. Continue to be with us. And this we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on today's Community Cast. We hope that you were blessed by today's conversation. If you'd like to know more about Community Brookside, please feel free to visit us at our website, communitybrookside.com, or find us on your favorite social media outlet. We hope to hear from you soon. Be blessed.